Right now, a courthouse in Georgia is the epicenter of one of the most watched criminal cases in the country, charges that former President Donald Trump and 18 of his allies conspired to overturn the 2020 election. We were at the Fulton County Courthouse. You know, I got there super early because 450 prospective jurors had been summoned to fill out questionnaires in the case that was proceeding against Kenneth Chesborough. Um, It quickly became pretty clear that something was going on. Holly Bailey is a national correspondent for The Post, and she's basically been living at this courthouse for months, following this unfolding case against more than a dozen defendants. Then finally, on Friday, the trial of one of those defendants was about to begin. The trial of lawyer Kenneth Chesborough. He's not a household name to people across this country. And in fact, his name was not even mentioned as part of any of this for many, many, many months And so most people have no idea who this guy is at all. But he was allegedly behind this this sort of providing the legal backbone for efforts by the former President Trump and his allies to overturn the election, not only in Georgia, but all in these key battleground states, including Arizona and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. For Holly, this was finally going to be the moment where she'd get to see how this case would play out in front of jurors. She was about to see how they would treat racketeering charges, usually reserved for mobsters, in a case about election interference. But then... He did not show up at a scheduled court appearance that morning. His attorney walked past us and said, I can only confirm he's in the building. And that was a huge tell that something was going on. Yes. Please lower your hand and state your true and correct legal name. Kenneth John Chesbro. And within basically a couple of hours, we were sitting in Judge McCavey's courtroom and in walks Kenneth Chesbro. And the judge said, I hear we have a plea. And everyone said yes. And suddenly this trial that we had been basically preparing for with literally jurors in the building ready to answer questions about their views on President Trump All of this that we had been preparing for just suddenly ended with this attorney that really nobody had ever heard of standing up, holding up his hand and agreeing and being sworn in and saying that he was changing his plea to guilty. How do you plead to count 15 conspiracy to commit filing false documents in indictment number 23SC188947? Guilty. Have you and your attorney signed that indictment? Yes. A guilty plea. And this was actually the third person out of now four who pleaded guilty in this sweeping racketeering case that has at its center one man, Donald Trump. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Tuesday, October 24th. Today, we're talking about the latest developments out of this Georgia courthouse and whether Trump's list of allies might now be turning against him. So, Holly, first let's just start with this case in Georgia. Where did it begin? I think when people hear about legal problems involving Donald Trump, they think of, you know, all the various indictments that have now been lodged against him and and also the various civil matters that he's involved in. But the Georgia case is very specific to what happened in Georgia. Hmm. 
And it's looking at what happened in the chaotic sort of weeks after Election Day when there was disputes about the legitimacy of the Georgia vote. And you had a lot of Trump allies, including former Mayor Rudy Giuliani, down here in Atlanta, appearing before the state legislature, making claims about alleging that election workers had basically installed ballots that put Joe Biden over the top, um, alleging a lot of wrongdoing. And so this Mm -hmm. case is really all about that aspect of it. But what Mm -hmm. also Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie T. Willis has done is that she is sort of in alleging what happened in Georgia was a part of a sort of a vast national scheme. And that what happened here in Georgia also happened in other states. Holly, can you tell me more about who has been charged in this case and and how many counts are we talking here? Because this does sound like it's a sprawling case, but also specific to Georgia. You know, it was a 91-page indictment and it includes, you know, 41 different counts alleging a lot of conspiracy, um, beginning, you know, going back in Washington, things going on at the White House, meetings there that were what prosecutors allege were tied to the plot to overturn the vote in Georgia. Um, But if you look at the indictment, you know, there's a lot of people that I'm assuming that people would not recognize, but there also are some very well-known figures, including Trump. I mean, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who is acting as Trump's personal attorney, um, is facing several charges. Uh, Former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, and then it's a lot of other local names in Georgia, the former head of the Republican party here, who are all charged as a part of this indictment, allegedly scheme to overturn the vote in Georgia. So several people have pleaded guilty in this case. Who are they and what happened with them? The first person to plead guilty was a Atlanta bail bondsman named Scott Hall, who was alleged to have been, had played a part in uh, basically the illegal copying of ballots and, uh, and voter information in this rural county called Coffee County, about two hours south of Atlanta. Out of Coffee County, surveillance video shows the county's election director, Misty Hampton, among Trump operatives in the county election office, scanning and copying Dominion software, which fuels Georgia's statewide voting system. The GBI has already said it's... I think people will say, what does that have to do? Why is an Atlanta district attorney charging that part of the case? Well, she alleges it's part of the scheme, you know, and basically points to the, the fact that, you know, these Trump allies were allegedly trying to do anything to overturn Trump's loss in Georgia. And then last week on the eve of a joint trial, um, former pro-Trump attorney Sidney Powell, who is probably famous for being at several of these press conferences after Election Day 2020, um, in which she alleged a lot of conspiracy about the vote. She was charged for her role, alleged role, as part of the of the Coffee County scheme to copy this voter data from this rural county. Um, and she pled guilty. Were you in the courtroom when this plea was made public? And what was that like? I was not in the courtroom for Sidney Powell. I should back up and say these things kind of happen extremely quickly. We don't get real heads up about it. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee is overseeing this case. And he has a YouTube page where with videos and you can set up to get a notification. And so these plea deals that have been happening, oftentimes reporters only know about them when you get a notification that his camera has turned on in his courtroom. And lo and behold. 
uh, Judge, the case has been accused under 23 SC 190370, count one being conspiracy to commit intentional interference with performance of election duties. And counts two, three. And if you squint a little bit, you can see Sidney Powell sitting at the table, and it was kind of an abrupt turn. Do you swear from the testimony you, you shall give in this matter currently before the court shall be the truth and the whole truth um, and nothing but the truth? I do. Uh, can you please state your true and correct legal name? Sydney Catherine Powell. Only a couple of days before, her attorney had been in court vigorously insisting that she had nothing to do and with anything that she was charged with, including the Coffee County scheme, that she really was had nothing to do with any of this and that she should have the charges thrown out. And then there she was, pleading guilty. How do you plead to the six counts of conspiracy to commit intentional interference with performance of election duties? Guilty. Do, do you understand that you may have a limited right to appeal, which I've gone over with you? Yes. And at one point, you know, she was asked about how old she was, and she kind of giggled and said, I'm 68. How old are you, ma'am? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) 68, despite my astonishingly youthful countenance. I think anybody had seen her, uh, you've seen her on television making all these claims about the election, these false claims. And, you know, just it was quite a turn to see her standing before a judge admitting guilt in this case. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you are giving up the right to a trial by jury? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to remain silent and not to incriminate yourself? Yes. Do you understand that by pleading guilty, you're giving up the right to confront witnesses that the state may bring to testify against you? Yes. And then the very next day, um, Kenneth Chespero, he pled guilty to a felony count of filing false documents. And that is linked to his role in writing these memos um, that kind of advised this this scheme to install Trump electors around the country to throw the Electoral College vote in count uh, in doubt. So I want to go back to Sidney Powell because I think of all the people so far who have pleaded guilty, she is one of the most recognizable. She was this pro-Trump attorney. And as you say, she was all over television after the 2020 election. She was on Fox News. She was spreading election fraud claims that are completely false. Can you just remind us of who she is? And would it be fair to view this plea from her as a bombshell? Or does this feel like a really big deal because she was one of the most vocal boosters of this election fraud theory? It's a pretty significant guilty plea. One, because we don't know exactly what she's told prosecutors here in Atlanta about Hmm. what she knows about the plot. But she's kind of the first direct link to former President Trump. She was in several Oval Office meetings um, talking about sort of efforts to reverse Trump's loss, um, including, you know, one of the meetings she was in, there was discussion of the military seizing voting machines and and stuff like that. So she's kind of like the first person that is linked to Trump that has pled guilty in this. Mm. What will she have to do as part of this plea agreement? And has she acknowledged that what she was saying about the election was a lie? She has not publicly acknowledged anything except for pleading guilty in this case. As part of these plea deals in Fulton County, uh, 
the Scott Hall, Sidney Powell, and Kenneth Chesborough all had to record video statements called proffers um, that basically lay out what they know about the case um, for prosecutors. It's basically part of why they're getting a plea deal. Um, We don't know what they've said in these videos. We don't know if they've implicated other people in these videos, but it is the key to why prosecutors have given them uh, these deals on reduced charges as opposed to going forward with the full trial. They've given them some sort of evidence um, that we still, like I said, don't know exactly what that is. And that's really going to be key in, um, you know, and in, in, in what kind of witness, if at all, she could be in the future cases. But part of her agreement is that she had to write an apology letter to the state of Georgia for her role. And that's uh, still under seal. We don't know what that said, but that's the only extent that she's really admitted anything publicly is through this letter and through these guilty pleas. And so what do Kenneth Chesborough and Sidney Powell get as part of this deal? Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesborough had been charged with seven different felony crimes, including racketeering and uh, various criminal conspiracy charges. Powell, she pleaded guilty to six reduced charges that were reduced to misdemeanors. Um, And Chesborough had, had all of his charges waived except for one, and he was charged with a felony. But what is really interesting about both of these cases is that they were also granted um, what in Georgia is called like a first offender status, which means if they continue with their probation and they don't break any of the laws and they agree to, you know, testify truthfully in these other cases, within a few years, this will all be wiped from the record and it will be as if it never happened. So will Sidney Powell have to pay any money or serve any time? Powell will not be serving any jail time. She agreed to pay um, several thousand dollars in fines. Some of that money is going to replace election equipment in Coffee County that was uh, breached as part of this conspiracy. Um, and, and Chesborough as well paid several thousand dollars in fines, but neither one of them will serve jail time. These are pretty significantly reduced charges. If they had gone to trial and been convicted even on just the single charge of RICO, uh, that's a minimum five to 10 years in prison. Wow. And so the fact that, you know, they are now proceeding forward with, in Powell's case, a misdemeanor, in Chesborough's case, a felony, but mainly just getting probation and no jail time is, is pretty significantly different than what they had been facing. So, Holly, has Donald Trump said anything about these guilty pleas? He has really attacked uh, the prosecution in this in this case. He has gone after Fonnie T. Willis pretty aggressively um, on the eve of the indictments. His campaign ran an ad here uh, accusing her of having an affair with a gang member and making all kinds of unfounded false allegations against her. Atlanta DA, Fonnie Willis. So incompetent, on her watch, violent crimes have exploded. So tainted, Willis was thrown off one case for trying to prosecute a political opponent. So corrupt, Willis got caught hiding a relationship with a gang member she was prosecuting. So dishonest. He has pleaded not guilty in this case. He has denied any wrongdoing. He continues to maintain that the election in Georgia was stolen from him. He has said very little about these guilty pleas in this case, with the exception of Sidney Powell. Um, Over the weekend, he 
posted on Truth Social that she had never been his attorney. Of course, that was quickly uh, responded to on Twitter by people posting screenshots of a of a tweet that he had posted in the weeks after the 2020 election day in which he announced Pala joined his legal team. I think also stepping back, looking at these three guilty pleas, what could they mean for Donald Trump, both in this case and in general? What's really notable about um, Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesborough um, admitting guilt in the, in the Georgia case is that they are unindicted conspirators in the federal election interference case that's been brought against Donald Trump. So they could also be potentially facing charges, federal charges, for mm. this post-2020 um, election stuff. The one unclear thing is to what extent this guilty plea how it affects the federal case. Does it mean that they are actively talking to special counsel Jack Smith's team? We don't know the answer to that. Um, and we don't know how, you know, what, if any, the evidence that they've given Georgia prosecutors, how it could be used in the federal case. How do you plead to aiding and abetting false statements and writings in, under accusation 23SC190514? Guilty. And is this your signature along with Mr. Ho? Early Tuesday morning, another former Trump attorney entered a plea deal, Jenna Ellis. She had previously been a very visible and vocal proponent of false election fraud claims. She is now the fourth person to plead guilty in Georgia. Thank you, Your Honor, for the opportunity to address the court. As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously, and I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. Ellis gave a teary statement in court. I failed to do my due diligence. If I knew then what I know now, I would have declined to represent Donald Trump in these post-election challenges. I look back on this full experience with deep remorse, and I now take responsibility before this court and apologize to the people of Georgia. After the break, we dig into the other indictments Trump is facing and what makes the Georgia case especially troubling for the former president. We'll be right back. Holly, there are several other indictments against Trump. And one we've discussed on this show before is a fraud case in New York about his business. Can you just briefly remind us what that one was about and the latest developments there? The first case in New York is that's currently ongoing is a fraud case in terms of how much Trump said about the value of his companies and whether he committed fraud by overvaluing his properties and overvaluing his business inventory. Um, and that's ongoing. Um, there's just so much legal news about Donald Trump and so many yeah. cases that he's involved in. It's easy to sort of be confused and struggle to try to distinguish between them all. Yeah. I mean, even for someone like me, I don't know, my job is to follow the news and I can barely keep track of all these cases. So maybe we can just, you know, step back and really think about this. There's the the case in Georgia that you've been following so closely with all these developments. And then there are these other federal cases, right? Remind me what those ones are. 
There's two federal cases against Trump that have been brought by prosecutors um, working for special counsel Jack Smith. The first one was an indictment regarding uh, former President Trump's handling of classified documents. Um, He's alleged to have kept classified documents that shouldn't have been in his possession um, and then essentially trying to cover up that he still had them. That case is ongoing in Florida. The second federal case is very similar to the Georgia case, actually. It's about uh, accuses Trump of federal election interference and uh, touches on uh, several aspects of efforts in Georgia to overturn the Georgia vote, but also other other states, other battleground states where uh, Trump is accused of breaking the law in order to stay in power. Holly, has Trump said anything about any of the other cases? He has, um, to the point to where um, in at least two cases, there have been gag orders or proposed gag orders introduced in New York in the civil trial case involving um, the valuation of his businesses. Um, the judge there issued a gag order after Trump was posting on social media about one of the his clerks, the judge's clerks. And in the federal case, um, the federal election interference case, Um, A judge there also issued a gag order limiting what Trump can say about the prosecutors and the witnesses, though Trump uh, has sought to appeal that and it was temporarily lifted. Um, But that issue is going to come up in coming days again. And so stepping back and going back to the Georgia case, as you're reporting on that case as it proceeds through the criminal justice system, what will be the next things that you will be watching and you know, when we view that case in the constellation of other legal troubles that former President Donald Trump is facing, what is unique or stands out to you about that case? The next big question is, you know, what is the timing of the trial um, against former President Trump and these other folks and whether he actually keeps them together? Some of the defendants have argued that they should be split up into different cases, that Trump should be tried in a separate case and, or that they should be tried in separate cases. If it's the fact that Trump is, uh, if they're going to try everyone with, with former President Trump, that could mean that this case does not go before Judge McAfee until way later, given um, former President Trump's current legal schedule in which he's already facing trials and every and several other matters. Um, but if you do break it up into other cases where it's like one bucket of people goes first, we're going to hear a lot of the evidence against Trump no matter what, because this is a mm. RICO case and prosecutors have charged all these people with conspiracy. And so in order to prove that case, they have to, even if it's just one person at trial, they have to basically present their entire case and lay out other evidence, including against former President Trump and Giuliani and so forth. So if they're broken up, then the public, many of us, will be able to see the strength of the case potentially against Donald Trump before he actually goes on trial. Right. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, what does this Georgia case mean for the future of Trump's campaign? Because as of right now, he's the front runner for the GOP. Right. And we still don't have a a, a trial date for this, um, but it's possible, you know, that he's going to be having to return here to Georgia to go on trial in this case in the height of the 2024 campaign. 
It seems that a lot of people underestimate this Georgia case. It's big and sprawling. It's, you know, it's pretty unusual to see a former president charged with RICO. It's pretty unusual to see someone like Rudy Giuliani, who was a former prosecutor in New York and became famous for his use of RICO, of using RICO laws to take down the mob in New York to be charged with RICO. But, you know, this is a case where you know, Fonnie Willis, the district attorney here, has now had people plead guilty. Um, she's getting a lot of evidence on that fact. And this is the only case where it's really hard for anybody that's convicted to get pardoned. It's very hard to get pardoned in Georgia. It takes years after the conviction. It, you have to go before a panel. A, a governor can't do it. It's really, really complicated. That's what sort of makes this case extremely interesting. Well, thanks, Holly, for joining us and explaining all this for us. Thank you. Holly Bailey is a national correspondent for The Post based in Georgia. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Ariel Plotnick with help from Bishop Sand. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Rena Flores. Thanks to Jenna Johnson. If you haven't yet subscribed or follow the Post's new investigative podcast, open up your podcast app right now and get to it. It's called The Empty Grave of Comrade Bishop. It's a riveting show by my co-host, Martine Powers, about this 40-year-old mystery of missing remains on the Caribbean island of Grenada and what the United States has to do with it. Again, it's called The Empty Grave of Comrade Bishop, and the first two episodes are out right now. They are a gripping listen. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.